turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Uh, We looked at King Joash last week. We're going to look at his son, King Amaziah, this week. Uh, This is our second to the last week, believe it or not. Next week is the last week in this series because the week after that begins Lent. So we are already to Lent and headed into Easter. It seems like Christmas. We just did those services. But we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 25. We're going to read the life of Amaziah. So follow along with me as I read. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehoadon. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. After the kingdom was firmly in his control, he executed the officials who had murdered his father, the king. Yet he did not put their children to death, but acted in accordance with what is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, parents shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. Amaziah called the people of Judah together and assigned them according to their families to commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds for all of Judah and Benjamin. Then he mustered those 20 years old or more and found that there were 300,000 men fit for military service, able to handle the spear and the shield. He also hired 100,000 fighting men from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him and said, Your Majesty, these troops from Israel must not march with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the people of Ephraim. Even if you go and fight courageously in battle, God will overthrow you before the enemy, for God has the power to help or to overthrow. Amaziah asked the man of God, but what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelite troops? The man of God replied, the Lord can give you much more than that. So Amaziah dismissed the troops who had come to him from Ephraim and sent them home. They were furious with Judah and left for home in a great rage. Amaziah then marshaled his strength and led his army to the Valley of Salt, where he killed 10,000 men of Seir. The army of Judah also captured 10,000 men alive, took them to the top of a cliff, and threw them down so they were all dashed to pieces. pieces. Meanwhile, the troops that Amaziah had sent back and had not allowed to take part in the war raided towns belonging to Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon. They killed 3,000 people and carried off great quantities of plunder. When Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought back the gods of the people of Seir. He set them up as his own gods, bowed down to them, and burned sacrifices to them. The anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah, and he sent a prophet to him who said, Why do you consult this people's gods, which could not save their own people from your hand? While he was still speaking, the king said to them, Have we appointed you an advisor to the king? Stop. Why be struck down? So the prophet stopped, but he said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. After Amaziah, king of Judah, consulted his advisors, he sent this challenge to Jehoash, son of Jehoiaz, the the son of Jehu, king of Israel. Come, let us face each other in battle. But Jehoash, king of Israel, replied to Amaziah, king of Judah, a thistle in Lebanon sent a message to a cedar in Lebanon, give your daughter to my son in marriage. Then a wild beast in Lebanon came along and trampled the thistle underfoot. You say to yourself that you've defeated Edom, and now you are arrogant and proud, but stay at home. Why ask for trouble and cause your downfall and that of Judah also? Amaziah, however, would not listen, for God had so worked that he might deliver them into the hands of Jehoash, because they had sought the gods of Edom. So Jehoash, king of Israel, attacked. He and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced each other at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by Israel, and every man fled to his home. Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. 
Then Jehoash brought him to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate, a section about 400 cubits long. He took all the gold and silver and all the articles found in the temple of God that had been in the care of Obed-Edom, together with the palace treasuries and the hostages, and returned to Samaria. Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, lived for 15 years after the death of Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. As for the other events of Amaziah's reign, from beginning to end, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? From the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they conspired against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent men after him to Lachish and killed him there. He was brought back by horse and was buried with his ancestors in the city of Judah. Something is said about Amaziah that's not said about any other king ever. Not ever in 1st or 2nd Kings, not ever in 1st or 2nd Chronicles. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, verse 2, but not wholeheartedly. Every other king, either he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's what's always said about them. It's the only one that says he did it, but not wholeheartedly. We have that word in English, wholeheartedly. They don't have that word in Hebrew, the language of the Bible. So it says literally, with a whole heart. The word whole in Hebrew is the word shalom, which you've probably heard of. It's a Hebrew word, but it's entered into English. We translate it peace, but it really means a lot more than that. It has the idea of complete. That's why they translate it whole here, of something being as full as it could be. I have Crema, the coffee shop up the road, is run by Israelis. They're Jewish. They speak Hebrew. And so on Friday when I leave, I will say to them, Shabbat Shalom. Literally, peace Sabbath, but it means have a good Sabbath because Shalom, it's the idea of everything goes well. Have you ever had like a great meal with friends? You have people over and everything is so good. It was one of my son's birthdays this past week. And so our, our little extended family all went out to a restaurant in Norcross and, and had dinner together. And Elizabeth and I were talking that evening as we were getting ready for bed. And she was saying, Is it, isn't it great that when we get all our children together, it's relaxing, it's peaceful, it's good. That's not true for everyone. Um, yes, thank you, God. Um, that's shalom. That great evening that you spend with friends and family where, where everything is good and, and the evening comes off great and, and when you leave, you've done and you've said everything you wanted to say. Amaziah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he didn't have a heart of shalom. It wasn't full. It wasn't complete. It wasn't whole. It wasn't good. He had a, a, a half heart, a, a partial heart. And so you see it the, the author of Chronicles tells us these next couple stories about him, where if you know about the law, and he tells us a little bit about it, you, you see him going back and forth. So the first thing we're told is how he did what was right. A bunch of officials had executed his father. He executed the officials, but he didn't kill their children. Now, in his world, he lives about 800 BC in the Near East. Everybody believed in what's called communal guilt, if your dad did something wrong, of course you're going to be punished for it. If the family does something wrong, the whole family's going to be punished for it. Everybody thought that, but God said no. God said you don't punish children for their parents, you don't punish parents for children. People are punished for what they do. And he follows that, which is risky. Because leaving the children of men you've executed alive, well, they're going to grow up, and maybe they're going to be grateful and be loyal, 
And maybe they're going to be bitter and angry that you killed their dad, and they're going to come after you. Like, he takes a risk. This, this isn't free for him to obey, but he does obey, and that is a great sign. And then the very next story, he gets all the people together, he musters those 20 years old, finds all the men fit for military service. Do you know that is forbidden in the scriptures? You are never in the scriptures allowed to count your army. I mean, it is forbidden. Because if you count your army, then you're gonna trust in numbers. You're gonna look at your army and you're gonna say, oh, wow, <laughs> look at all those troops I got. Let's go do something with them. Or you're gonna look at your army and you're gonna say what he said. Oh, I don't have enough. In the scriptures, in the law, the king is never to know the size of his army because war isn't something the king is ever supposed to worry about. War is the province of God, not of the kings. You know, Israel, though it has a king, it's still a theocracy. God is still on top. It's still the rule of God. The king is God's agent and servant and steward in the country. But he doesn't get to make all the decisions. He doesn't make decisions about war. God decides when you go to war, the scriptures say. Even if you are attacked, you're supposed to go to God. Because usually God says, yes, go and fight them. I'll be with you. Sometimes God says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he does. You wake up the next morning and they're gone. Or, the, or they, the armies have turned on each other before they ever got anywhere near you and slaughtered one another. There are times when you don't actually ever even have to fight. God just deals with it for you. War is the province of God, not of kings. And Amaziah disobeys. He numbers his troops. And then he does exactly what happens when you number the troops. He's like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough people to go take on the Edomites. And so he hires a bunch of mercenaries from Israel, the country to the north, which doesn't worship Jehovah. They don't worship the God of the Jews. They have their own temple and their own priests, and they do their own thing. And so a prophet comes to him and says, um, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you got to stop. <laughs> you cannot do this. And he obeys. He paid a hundred talents of silver in today's money. A talent's like 75 pounds. He paid 100 of them. 7,500 pounds of silver, like $2 million in today's economy. And he asked the question I would ask, well, what about the money? Prophet's like, what are you worried about that? Got $2 million, that's nothing for God. You don't think God can't make 100 talents of silver appear if he wants to? You don't got to worry about that. I mean, isn't that what Jesus says to us? Don't worry about where you're going to eat, what you're gonna, where you're going to sleep, what, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about that stuff. I can take care of all that. Prophet says, don't worry about it. And he obeys. He sends them away. Like, wow, how many of you would leave $2 million on the table simply because God told you to? Take 10% of it. How many of you would leave $200,000 on the table just because God told you to? Let's take 1% of it. Would you leave $20,000 on the table simply because God said, forget it, just walk away. I can give you 20,000 if I want to. Like, this is really impressive, his obedience. And then he turns around and disobeys again. He goes, he does exactly what they, the prophet said would happen. God has the power to fight for you or God has the power to overthrow you. He obeys, God fights with them. He takes over the Edomites easily, it appears, kills 10,000. 
And then he takes 10,000 captives and he tosses them from the top of a cliff and destroys them. And that is forbidden in the law. You fight people in war? Absolutely, yes, people kill. God tells you to go destroy a city. You go destroy the city. You are not allowed to brutalize captives in war. He obeys and then he disobeys. And then he obeys and then he disobeys. He just, he goes back and forth. His obedience is really impressive. And wow, his disobedience is really impressive. Back and forth. He does what is right, the chronicler says. But not with his whole heart. Not with a heart that's full. A heart that's at peace. A heart that's good. He does it sort of, kind of. And then we get this this little interlude in verse 13. Those mercenaries that he hired that came down and now he sends them back home, wow, they're angry. Because mercenaries, the, the, the guys who fight, they're not paid. That $2 million, so it's $2 million over, over 100,000 guys that he hired. That's $20 per person. They didn't get a $20 bill and get told to go fight. They get food, they get clothing, they get weapons, they get a place to sleep. They get room and board as mercenaries. They don't make any money. Their money is in pillage. If you win, you get to strip the dead. And if you defeat the army, you get to go do whatever you want to the towns around there because there's no army to protect them. The king, the commanders, they got money. The upkeep for the mercenaries got paid. But these guys got hired, they hauled themselves down to Judah, and then they got sent back home. And they didn't, those 100,000 troops, they didn't make a dime. And they are not happy. And so they, they do what they were going to do in Edom. They just do it in Judah. They kill and pillage, plunder, steal. Like they're going to get paid one way or another. So they take it and they go. And then we read in verse 14, when Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought back the gods of the people of Seir. That's totally normal. You expect that when you read it. Because idols are made of precious metals. They're made of gold and silver. I mean, he just lost 100 talents of silver because of these mercenaries. He could have made it back up again from the idols of the Edomites. Takes all their gold and silver items. What you expect to read is then that he did something with it, probably to make fun of the Edomites. Like you would, a king would take your idols and he'd melt them down and he'd cover the doors of his own temple, his own God's temple with it. It's kind of like, yeah, your God, your God's a doorkeeper in my God's temple. That's as good as he gets. You do something with that to, to taunt your enemies and to show your prowess. He returns with the gods of the people of Seir and he set them up as his own gods, bowed down to them and burned sacrifices to them. What? They just got their butts kicked. And the prophet, that's what the prophet comes to and says, what are you doing? The gods couldn't protect their own people from you. Why are you trusting in them? You know, Amaziah listened to the last prophet before he went on this trip. He's not listening to this one. Who appointed you counselor to the king? That's an interesting thing to say to God, isn't it? Who made you my counselor? What gives you the right to tell me what to do? And the story of Amaziah from there, it is crash and burn. I want to read you a quote that I read in one of the commentaries I was reading that really struck me. This is the last thing the commentator writes about this passage of scripture. He says, at the end, 
of the story, the record of Amaziah's reign is negative. Instead of royal building programs, the walls of Jerusalem are destroyed. Instead of wealth from the people and surrounding nations, the kingdom is plundered. Instead of a large family, there are hostages. Instead of peace, there is war. Instead of victory, there is defeat. Instead of loyalty from the population and long life, there is a conspiracy and regicide. An overwhelming message comes through. God expects the exclusive loyalty of king and people to their Lord. God expects the exclusive loyalty. That's Amaziah's problem. He, he obeys God. He certainly obeys when, when somebody's there, at least initially when a prophet tells him something. But he's not going to obey all the time. Like the whole thing with the, with the war, that's just him. I've got to count how many troops I have. I mean, it, at least as far as it's recorded, God doesn't even tell him to go to war against the Edomites. Although God does support him, it seems. He's going to decide. Amaziah, when it comes to his troops... Amaziah makes a really good human decision. I mean, we would all do that. Count, you're going to go to war. Count your army. I don't have enough troops. Hire some mercenaries. That's a really good human decision. But we don't make human decisions. We make God decisions. We, we, if you're a follower of Christ, you have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God in you. We, we do what he says. Not what makes sense always and what seems right to us. Amaziah, he's got, he's got half a heart. He absolutely obeys. And the obedience he does is impressive. But he absolutely disobeys as well. And when push comes to shove, he's not going to do it. He's not, he's not going to follow the God. You, know, you wonder like, what happened in there to him. Like, I, I think that's why the, the guy who writes the story tells us about what happened with these troops that he released. You know, sin has consequences. We talked about that before. We want it to be that I do something wrong, I find out about it, or I'm convicted of it, or someone, someone rebukes me because they find out, I say sorry, and we're done. But sin has consequences. He never should have counted the troops. He never should have decided he needed more. He never should have hired mercenaries. I mean, we're, we're three steps down into disobedience at that point. And simply saying, okay, all right, I'll send them back. That doesn't get rid of all the bad things that are going to happen. Which, let's face it, that's true for us as well. If I go rob a bank, and two days later I think, oh, it looks bad when pastors rob banks. I should give this back. And so I go back and I give back the money. Right? The police don't say to me, oh, Mr. Jansen, thank you so much. Have a nice day. Right? I go in the cuffs. I go in the jail. There will be consequences. It doesn't matter that I made it right. Look, you got all your money back. What's the problem? No harm, no foul. There will be consequences. I think the writer of Chronicles includes this story to remind us there are consequences to sin. Even when we go back and do the right thing later, and I think he includes the story because it's part of what's going on in Amaziah's life. You know, he is, I don't think he's giving up on Jehovah, the God of the Jews. I think he's adding the God of the Edomites. Right? One God is good, two gods, wow, they, they must be even better. I think Amaziah is obeying 
He's looking at his obedience and he's saying, what did that get me? God said, let these guys go. So I let them go. And what happened? Villages got destroyed. People got killed. What's up with this God? I need to find some more gods. And off he goes. Let me ask you a question today. We're coming in. You know, we got one more week left. This, this series is about what does it look like for us to be more committed to Christ this year? How should our lives look if we want to be stronger, more serious, more committed followers of Christ this year than we were last year? Let me ask you, are you Amaziah? I mean, be brutally honest with yourself. Are you half-hearted? I mean, you're here. Clearly, you obey. Now, in our world today, we've all figured out, the, you know, things don't collapse if you don't go to church every week. The world just keeps kind of going on. Lots of people have discovered that they cannot go to church and it doesn't actually matter to them that much. I mean, church attendance is dropped precipitously since COVID and it's still on its way down. You all are here. You clearly care about this in some way. But are you Amaziah? Are you half-hearted? Do you obey? And again, his obedience is serious. Let, let's not take anything away from what it cost him to follow God. Do you obey sometimes and, and do what is right, even when it's costly? And then other times you don't. Because it just doesn't seem wise. And it doesn't seem that smart. And of course you should count the army. What idiot would go to war without counting his army? Even though it's forbidden. Do you obey? And then you don't. Are you committed to following Christ in these areas? Ah, but over here, you know, Amaziah is not committed to following God in war. Doesn't seem like he's talking to God about war. He's not doing what God has said in the scriptures in war. Do you know what the first thing, the very first command to the king, because there's rules specifically for the king in the law. The very first command to the king of what he must do. There's a few things he's not to do. The very first thing he is told to do in the law of God is to write out a copy of the book of Deuteronomy for himself and read it every day. The first command of the king is to have a Bible reading plan. <laughs> and I'm not even asking you to copy it out by hand. Come on. Uh, you, you can use the printed editions as far as I'm concerned. The very first command of the king is to read the Bible every day. So he knows it. So he knows what God has said. So he follows it because he's not an absolute monarch. He's a steward. It's God's country. He is to administer it God's way, doing the things that God says. Sometimes Amaziah does that. Sometimes he is all in. Two million dollars he walks away from to be obedient. Oh, and then other times he's not. Other times he's going to do it his way. He's going to do what he thinks is best. You know, we, we, so, we so want God to be our counselor. We so want God to advise us. We're in a difficult situation and we pray, Lord, what should I do? You know, there's that verse in James that says, wow, if you don't know what to do, just ask. God will tell you. He loves to tell you, but don't doubt it says. And doubt there doesn't mean disbelieve. It means go back and forth. That's literally what the word means. 
It means to go back and forth, to say, God, tell me what to do, I'll do it. God, tell me what to do, I'll, maybe I'll do it. God, tell me what to do, I'll follow you. God, tell me what to do, I'll decide. Go back and forth. Am I going to do it? Am I going to obey? 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 If you're going to ask, if you're going to ask God what to do, he's not your advisor. He's your Lord. If he asks you, he'll, if you ask, he'll tell you. And when he tells you, you do it. Because Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all. I read uh, one of the guys again, and when I was reading for all this, said, you know, when, when God comes, he comes as Lord of all. Or he doesn't come at all. Like, those are your two options. Jesus is Lord of your life. Or he's nothing. Because he's not going to be your advisor. He's not going to be your prime minister. He's not going to be your co-pilot. He's not going to help you out. Jesus said it himself. Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord? But then you don't do what I tell you. Jesus comes as Lord. Amaziah, it doesn't seem like God is Lord. It seems like there's places where God tells him what to do and he obeys. And it costs him and he does what is right. And there's other places where God tells him what to do. And what does he say to the counselor? Have we appointed you an advisor? No, God pretty much pointed himself that. You actually work for him in this system, not the other way around. Oh, but we so want God to work for us, don't we? We so want to take, we so want God to be like our phone. We're sitting around last night, we're talking about some movie. Oh, who was, okay, Orlando Bloom, he's the male lead. Who's the female? What do I do? I pull out my phone, I look it up. Oh, there it is, it's Kirsten Dunst, right? My phone is my helper, my advisor. My phone gives me the information that I need at the time. And then, click, and we're done. My phone has alarms on it. An alarm went off for me this morning, and do you know what I did? I turned it off and ignored it. Because it didn't suit me, honestly. Normally on Sunday mornings, yes, I want to do that, but not this morning. I had other things to do. My phone alarms, they, they, they advise me. They help me. They're my servants. But I am absolutely the master. And I put this back in my pocket when I want, and I tuck this in my jacket. And if it bothers me, hey, I was in IT for 20 years. I will pry the back off of it and take the battery out if it gives me too much trouble. Like, I, absolutely, I am not afraid of the phone. Do you fear the Lord? Is he your counselor? Is he your advisor? Is he your helper? And you pull him out when you need him and you get what you want and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful. Here, you just, you just rest there till I need you again. Because that's what it looks like Amaziah is doing. Actually, I should take this out because I need this. It tells me how much time I have left. And I, I do actually listen to it on that one. It's, it's in, the timer is in charge. So I don't want Tim starting to you know, tap his foot and come up here with the shepherd stick or anything. Um, Amaziah, he's half-hearted. Again, his obedience is really good. He's not faking it. But it's not all there. And in the end, he decides that if God is going to order him around and not do what he, I think, not do what he wants. Like I sent the troops off like you said, 
and nothing good happens. I could have let them plunder Edom if I'd brought them along. I obeyed and I suffered. I think what's going on in his mind, that's why the, 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 the chronicler, the guy who writes this, puts this story right in front of telling us about Amaziah bringing back the gods. I obeyed, it didn't work. I'm gonna find some other gods. You're, you're, you're fine, of course, you could stay here, but I'm gonna add, I'm gonna find some more. He honored God and then he starts honoring all these other gods and his life is a disaster, folks. It doesn't work. Scripture says 100%, if you are wholehearted, if you follow hard after God, if you obey, you will prosper and be blessed. But God gets to define those terms. You do not get to define what prospering and being blessed is. Because come on, we all, we all define that as money, power, relationships, health, success status. We all have our definitions of what it means for us to prosper. And it is frequently not the Lord's definition. Are you Amaziah? We're coming to the end of this series. I'm running out of weeks to talk to you about being committed to Christ in 2023. We're heading into Easter. We've got a whole other focus coming. I don't want to get out of this series without you asking yourself, being brutally honest with yourself. Are you wholeheartedly committed to Christ? When Christ tells you to do something that's going to cost you, do you do it? And then when it does cost you, do you keep doing it? When he commands you, do you obey? Even when it doesn't go well, even when things are bad, do you obey? When God confronts you with your sin, remember Asa? God confronted him with his sin. For the next six years, he wouldn't talk to God. He was so angry. Are you wholehearted? If you're not, I have good news. You can admit that to him. I mean, he knows it already. But you can just tell him. You can ask him. You can say, yes, I, I don't want to be Amaziah. I don't want what Amaziah had. I want to be wholehearted. I don't want it said about me. Oh, yes, Jeff, he followed after God. But not with his whole heart. I just want it said I followed after God wholeheartedly. If that's what you want and you think you're not doing it, then tell him. Ask him what to do. Do what he says. Repent and believe. That's the message of Jesus when he first starts preaching. The repent and believe the good news. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for God to speak to us. You pray as well. Ask God. If you're not sure, ask him if you are committed to him. Are you wholehearted? Are there places in your life? Again, it looks to me like Amaziah has a problem with war. He seems to be taking that for himself and making his own decisions and deciding. And when God tells him no, his thing is, well, you're not my counselor. You don't get to tell me what to do. Are there places in your life where you are not committed to Christ? Ask him. Let him tell you. Everything he says is good. If he tells you anything, say yes. Repent in the places where he tells you, you need to change this. Rejoice in the places where he's pleased. And then we'll take communion as we always do. So pray with me again. Lord, thank you. Thanks for including these stories. I, mean, I don't know if Amaziah knew you or not. 
I know guys like Asa and Hezekiah who, who didn't end well. It still, still says clearly that they knew you. I don't know about Amaziah, but thank you for, for telling us this story. Thank you for showing us these things. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you for reminding me. I want to be wholeheartedly devoted to you. I think that's what my brothers and sisters want as well. I hope that is what my brothers and sisters want as well. But Jesus, we confess we're not. There's places in our lives where, where, where we take control back. There's places where you are Lord and we do what you say. And wow, there's places where we don't. Holy Spirit, speak to us. What are those places? What are the places in our hearts and our minds that are not submitted to you? What are the places where you would have to say about me? Yes, Jeff followed after Jesus. Jeff did what was right in the eyes of Christ, but not here. Lord, speak to us. Reveal these things to us so that that we can repent, so that we can turn, so that we can, in fact, be more committed to you in 2023 than we were in previous years because we have submitted more of our lives to you. You are our Lord. You do counsel us. You do advise us. You do help us. But you are not our counselor, advisor, or helper. You are our God. You are our Lord, and we submit to you. And you are gracious, and everything you do is good. You are a kind and a gracious Lord. Jesus, I pray for us. I pray for me. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, as we take communion, as we pray, as we sing again, speak to us. Where are the places that we need to submit to you? What are the places we need to turn our lives over to you? We don't want to be Amaziah. We don't want it said of us at the end of time that we followed you, but not with a whole heart. Jesus, be gracious to us in this. We need you to reveal these things to us. Show us so we can repent and change. We pray all this in your name. Always, Jesus, in your name. Because you are our God. You are our Lord. Amen.